Our gospel text today comes from John chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Listen now for a word from God. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son in the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for your word. I pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to the message you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our gospel reading today contains the most popular verse in all of Scripture, John 3, 16. And I'd be willing to bet that many of you have memorized it at some point in your lives, maybe at vacation Bible school or because of a grandparent or Sunday school teacher or something throughout the years. You might have learned a slightly different translation, but say it along with me if you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Bravo, gold star, congregation. It is said that this verse is the most translated line of all of literature, of anything that has ever been written. It is this line, John 3.16, that has been translated the most. We can find it in some pretty interesting places in our culture here and now. If you've ever been to the In-N-Out Burger fast food joint on the West Coast, you can see it printed at the bottom of their cups. The clothing company Forever 21 used to print it at the bottom of their shopping bags. And if you've ever seen any sporting event, there is often a sign with hand-painted John 3.16 written on it. We know this verse, but I wonder if we really know it in our hearts and not just on our tongues. I heard a story once about a child and a camp counselor, and the child was asked to recite John 3.16 as a memory verse, and he got it exactly right. When the counselor asked him to recite it, he said it very quickly as if it was all one word. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the counselor said, good job, but do you know what it means? 
And he said, yes, it means I can go to lunch now. Do we know what it really means? What does it mean to believe in Jesus, this son sent by God? And what does it mean to believe in anything for that matter? Do you believe in climate change? Do you believe in Santa Claus? Do you believe in life after love? Do you believe the earth is round or flat? Do you believe in Jesus? And how do you know that you do or do not believe in those things? Oftentimes we equate belief with an intellectual agreement. We say we believe in something after we've gathered all of the information and made a decision. We boil belief down to a single moment and think the question of belief can be answered in a yes or a no. Christians have perpetuated this interpretation over the years, emphasizing a decision moment when it comes to Christ. A prayer, a realization, an event often from the past that can prove whether or not we believe. That's certainly part of it, but when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ, there's much more to it. John 3.16, this most popular Bible verse, comes to us in the context of a story. It's the story of Nicodemus. And perhaps you remember this story. Nicodemus was a religious leader who snuck out of his home late at night under the cover of darkness to find Jesus. He'd heard him teaching and he had questions. But he knew that his fellow religious leaders and friends would judge him for going to Jesus, so he waited until they went to sleep and the moon and the stars were out. Jesus had already been stirring up trouble. Last week, Pastor Garrett told the story about Jesus turning the tables in the temple. He was raising concerns within the religious community, and these leaders were afraid and were already plotting to kill him. So Nicodemus didn't want anyone to know what he was doing, and he snuck out and found Jesus. Nicodemus says to Jesus, you must be from God because nobody could teach the things that you teach and do the things that you do if they weren't sent by God. So tell me more. And Jesus tells Nicodemus that he must be born again, born through the Spirit. Nicodemus doesn't understand and asks how these things can be, and it's at this point that Jesus speaks the words that we just read. It's to Nicodemus that he says these words of John 3:16. Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that you might not perish but have everlasting life if you believe. The kind of belief Jesus was talking about went beyond a momentary intellectual decision. Nicodemus already believed in Jesus. He had told him, he believed that he was sent from God. He has just said those words, but he didn't really know what 
to do with that belief. Nicodemus wasn't sure if he was ready to let that truth change his life, which is why he snuck out at night. Nicodemus wasn't quite ready to know, take what he knew in his mind and translate it into trust with his whole weight. That's the kind of belief that Jesus was calling him to, the kind of belief that he still calls you and I to today. Belief that isn't just an agreement. Belief that is a trust that we put our weight on. We can see glimpses of this in a lot of art. And media movies in particular are a media where we see this component of belief and trust going together. The one that comes to my mind right away is from the animated movie Aladdin. It's getting a little old now, but raise your hand if you've ever seen that animated movie Aladdin. Good, you'll know what I'm talking about. Excellent. So there's this scene near the beginning where Aladdin is with Princess Jasmine, who's in a disguise. He doesn't know she's the princess yet. And they go up to his sort of rooftop hideout. He is camped out on the top of this building. He's been living there. And as they're talking, suddenly some guards come and chase them. Aladdin has stolen some bread, and these guards are coming at them with their swords drawn and trying to capture Aladdin. They realize these guards are coming from all directions, and they don't have a lot of options, and so quickly Aladdin walks up on the ledge and reaches his hand out to Jasmine and says, Do you trust me? She says, Yes, and grabs his hand and they jump off the roof. Now he has known that this must be an escape route for a while, and they fall a long ways, but they fall onto a canopy and then into a soft pile of sand, and they are okay. She has a trust in him, and that trust is greater than some of the other things that she knows and believes. I'm sure that Jasmine believed in gravity. I'm sure that she believed in the physics of knowing that jumping from the rooftop of a high building was not likely to be good. And somehow she trusted him enough that she threw her weight in a direction that she wouldn't have otherwise, down. Aladdin is just one example of this. There's a lot of movies with do you trust me scenes. I can think of Titanic and the moment when Kate Winslet is at the front of the boat. There's a scene in National Treasure, which Garrett and I watched not too long ago, also having to do with falling from a great distance. And I'm sure there are hundreds of others. If you know of any other do you trust me moments from a movie, I'd be interested to hear what they are. We get this portrait of trust being a component of belief, even belief that defies the logic of some of the other things that we know. We're not sure exactly what happened to Nicodemus after this passage in John 3. 
At the end of this moment, we don't know what he did. My guess is that he heard those words from Jesus and wasn't quite sure what to do just yet. And so he snuck back in the cover of the night. But John mentions Nicodemus a couple of times much later in the Gospels. And John gives us a clue that this belief turned into deep trust. After Jesus was crucified, it was Nicodemus who went along with Joseph to the cross to get Jesus down, to prepare his body with burial spices and to lay it in the tomb. That would have been a very public display that could have gotten him in a lot of trouble, one that would have ostracized him from the other Pharisees and one that could have led to his own persecution and death. So somehow between chapter 3 and chapter 21, Nicodemus takes what he believes about Jesus and turns it into trust, trust that's deep enough to take action. John 3.16 is the world's favorite Bible verse for a good reason. The reformer Martin Luther called it the gospel in a nutshell. If all of the gospel had to be summarized into one verse, Martin Luther said this would be a good one. It all begins with God's love, God's great love, God's so love. And that love plays out in the giving of Jesus and in the invitation to trust in him. Not to just agree with a list of ideas in our brains, but to trust that following in his footsteps is the right way to go. Even when that way is down, sacrifice, giving up. It's a kind of trust that allows for big questions and seasons of doubt. And it's living like this that allows us to walk in the unending presence of God, life abundant and eternal that begins here and now. That sounds like good news to me. The band Journey is most famous for their 1981 smash hit, Don't Stop Believin'. It was popular when it was first released, but it has resurfaced in the past several years and gained a whole new wave of popularity. If you have been to a wedding in the past few decades, odds are you have danced to Don't Stop Believing. It is known by nearly every living generation. The keyboardist for Journey, Jonathan Cain, once told the story of how this song came into being. He was a young musician living in Hollywood and struggling deeply. He was not making much money and trying to make ends meet and fulfill his dream of being a musician. And to add insult to injury, one day his pet dog was hit by a car. Luckily, the dog was saved by an emergency veterinarian, but if you have pets, you'll know that was an expensive situation. So here's Jonathan Cain in 
Hollywood away from home and his dog is injured and now he has this huge vet bill and he didn't know what to do. So he called home and he talked to his dad and he asked his dad for a loan so that he could pay for his dog and he just was lamenting and saying, I, I don't know if I was cut out for this. Should I just come home, dad? Should I give it all up? And his dad said, no, son, stick to your guns. Don't stop believing. Jonathan Cain had a little notepad and he was jotting notes down as he was having this conversation with his dad and he wrote down the words, don't stop believing. And later when Journey was looking for one more song for that album, he found that note and said, I don't know, is this something? And the band got together and they wrote this song. I love this story and I love that phrase, don't stop believing, because it reminds us that belief isn't a single moment. It's something we come back to again and again. It's wide enough to hold us in all of our life experiences. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. Belief is ongoing. Belief is an invitation for us to use our feet and to put our weight down time and time again. Put your weight into the God that you trust. I've seen Christians believe with their feet in some pretty inspiring ways. I know a man who is an Ivy League educated lawyer who gave up his practice at a law firm where he was making a lot of money to work for less than $30,000 a year for nonprofits working on criminal justice reform because of his faith in Christ. I know a woman from a congregation who committed to tithing the same week that she found out her hours were cut at work and she wasn't quite sure where all of her money would go. I know of a church in Detroit with hundred-some members that has agreed to take on these radical goals of Matthew 25 to eradicate systemic poverty and dismantle structural racism and build congregational vitality. That's us, Fort Street. We have put our weight down and gone into territory that might feel a little scary and audacious, that we might do some big, big things with the help of God. Because we believe. Belief is much more than mental agreement. It is ongoing trust. Where is there room in your own life for belief to turn into trust. I pray that we would throw our weight in it wherever it might be and remember that God loves us so much that God's Spirit is with us on that journey. Let's pray. Holy God, help us to believe, not just as a moment in time, but as an ongoing trust in you, the only one worthy of trust. Lord, as we go from this place, show us the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.